Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, everyone. This is Danny Myers from Cosmic Crash, and you're listening to the Lena Jones Morning Sparkle. Good morning. Good morning, Diamond. How is everybody doing? Hey, look, I didn't get this show up until 9, 9.30, as a matter of fact. Was it 9.30? But um, I wrote a description about what's been going on in a longer one on my um, on the blog talk radio page on the description if you see it yet. The show is not posted to the website yet. I will post it after this show because of course, you know, this show goes to blog a blog type of mode and um you can hear it from there. But uh uh just to give you a little bit of what's been going on, just a little bit. Just been crazy. It's been crazy. My internet went down last night on me and refused to come back up. <laughs> refused to come. I couldn't post a show. I couldn't do anything that required me getting on the internet. Even my printer is connected to the network. So even though I had finished my notes, I still could not print them. I was. It was horrible. So I waited. I did some work on the internet to try to get it. And it just would not come back up. It would not. It refused to come back up. But every Wednesday, there always seemed to be something. It's I get unexpected uh, company. Someone drops by always on a Wednesday and always on a Wednesday evening. And that usually the person stays till you know ten o'clock. And of course, you know it's a relative because I don't think. Uh, regular company does things like that on a weekday anyway, but um, and it's it's always happening. It always happens. Something if it's not one thing, it is something else. I have this has been the most convicted month for me trying to get this show out. And at the last minute, I almost thought about doing it a different way, but you know what? I can't. I can't stop. I made an obligation to not only myself, but I made an obligation to God. And see, I don't want him to start beating me up because when he beats you up, he don't beat you up the nice way. It's not a nice way, I tell you. So we're going to go ahead and uh, finish off the book of Nehemiah and move into something else. Uh, I just want to say a short prayer before I get started today. God, please help me. Help me to deliver the message, help me to deliver the scriptures of your book in a way that people will understand it, people Lord God, that may not see something that relates to today's society. Lord, I ask you to open up those doors, open up my heart and my mind, open up the listeners' heart and mind so that they may receive what I have to say here today. In Jesus' name, amen. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and put on a song, and the song for me today is going to be <laughs> Charles Jenkins, Can't Turn Back. There you go. I'll be right back. I rose this morning in my right mind, brand new mercy came right on time. Claiming right now, victory is mine. Hand me a stick so I can draw the line. I can't let it bring me down. I can't let you turn me around. Cause I've got God on my side and I. Well, I've got God on my side and I. I've been praying, I've been giving, I've been serving. 
wins and can't turn back. He said he's got God on his side. He can't turn back, and neither can I, and neither can you. So let's get straight to our uh, scripture on Nehemiah, and let's go ahead and close this book, and let's do it well. Yes. <laughs> okay, now when we la- when we left Nehemiah two weeks ago, the wall was completed. The wall had uh, gotten completed in 52 days, I think that that was the last. I said the wall was completed in uh, 52 days. Yep, on the month of Elu, which was June, according to the ecclesiastical Hebrew calendar. Okay, so the wall is completed, so let's go on. Now it's the time to uh, set things right, get the people in order, get the laws renewed, the covenant with God redone, all the good stuff that comes along with the completion of the wall. It's like something new, uh, a, a new beginning, a new start. Uh, for us, it could be anything. It could be our job. It can be a move to a, a better a community for you and your family. It could be you move to another state. It could be um, different things. It could be the start of a, a family, a marriage. It's new. It's it's final. It's complete. And you and so now it's time to move on to the uh, business. Okay. Now Nehemiah, he's made he's made some necessary arrangements after. After the completion of the wall, first he appoints a guard, picking this up from chapter, excuse me, we are picking this up for Nehemiah chapter 8. First he appoints a guard to ensure that the city gate will be be safe. Second, new security regulations um, that include the opening and the closing of the the gate, um, the busiest part of the day to have various people throughout the town and throughout the neighborhood move freely. Third, Nehemiah notices that the town is needs to fill its people. So so the people has now are out of uh captivity and are now coming back to Jerusalem. So it's time to relay the law. Now chapter eight, there's a lot of uh genealogy in the last book the last parts of uh, Nehemiah, the last few chapters of Nehemiah, there's a lot of genealogy, a lot of things. I pretty much had to get confirmation that I did not need to go through all of it because, as you know, I am going to mess up everybody's name who I name out of the book of Nehemiah. Um, so chapter 8 talks about the covenant, the renewal. Um, Ezra comes into the picture who is a priest. And the difference between the two uh, talking to the people is that Nehemiah is stressing about God's law. He's renewing the God's law with the people. And Ezra is stressing to, to the people about worship and the word of God being restored, restoring. So you have two people uh, preaching two different things, not not too different, but at all it's all under one umbrella. Nehemiah is talking about God's law and renewing that. And Ezra, the priest, is talking about worship and the word of God and being restored and things of that sort. Now, Ezra, he has, he's been in Jerusalem all this time, but he didn't come into the picture until the first time that, ne- that Ezra is mentioned in Nehemiah is in chapter 8. So Nehemiah governs the people, and Ezra is in charge of the people's spiritual well-being. It's kind of like what we have now. We have a government that's supposed to govern the people, mm-hmm. and we have uh, the churches, the all different types of churches. If you live in Virginia, we don't have a liquor store on every corner. We got a church on every corner, <laughs> at least in the parts of Virginia. You can find a church. You can throw a dime and find a church. Okay. Um, now, I can't I can't vouch for how true they are, but uh, there's a church on every corner. Now, when the people hear the word in the renewal of the covenant, uh, they start weeping. They're, they're, they're crying um, because it, it's a refresher. 
on what you've been through and where, where you were at and what God has brought you through. So the people are crying, and Nehemiah is trying to tell the people that this is not a time for weeping. This is a time for joy. This is a time to uh, be happy. As a matter of fact, he demands people at least three times, telling them to be joyful and not weeping. Um, the reading of the Torah, which is the Jewish Bible, is being read, and all of this is taking place on the first day of the seventh month, which is called the Feast of Trumpets. For us, the first day of the seventh month is July 1st. See how all of it really has some type of um, celebratory thing in what we do today as Americans, as Christians, that the whole U.S. does in, in reference to the the old school book the Torah, and things of that. There's really not too much difference in the way that we all do things. This is the uh, beginning of July, and we do our celebration of July the 4th, the day of America's independence from Europe, on the 4th day of July. Okay, so now all the heads of the, all the, heads of the household meet for an ongoing study of God's word. They find written in the Torah, which is God's law revealed to Moses according to the first five books of the Hebrew Scripture. Is if you don't know what it is, it's it's a book of the five laws that God revealed to Moses uh, um, in the Hebrew Scriptures, and so we are still on chapter 8. We're still moving into, we are still on chapter 8. So uh, the regulations about the celebration of tabernacles, they're reminded of the huts where they were to dwell in, where a lot of them are putting building the huts on top of their homes now. As a reminder of the tenuous um of the tenuous post-Egyptian existence during the time we were in the wilderness to live in huts. These huts were a reminder, and they these are things that they have forgotten because God has blessed them and life is so good uh, that, that, you know, they moved up from the huts. But uh, the, the Torah is reminding them about how they existed in huts while they were in the wilderness. Um, the promised land that they needed to remember, and how they were fed from hand to mouth, their existence in the midst, what is also also in the midst of this harvest festival. They reminded them of how they had to rely on God to feed them, and to remember that life can be a wilderness. Just because everything seems okay, life can still be a wilderness. And that their only sustainer was Yahweh, which is God, um, which is another word for God, which was uh, he sustained them during that time in the wilderness. This is these reading this, giving them back memory of the things that the people of Israel had forgotten. They had forgotten what God had done from them and how um, how God sustained them through it all. And uh, and then on the 24th day, now we're going into uh, uh, chapter 9. We're moving into chapter 9. So we, what we did was we just kind of skimmed over chapter 8 to tell what that was uh, beginning over, over what it's beginning of. And on chapter 9, the 24th day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled. They were fasting in a tradition, in their tradition, sackcloth with dust on their head, confessing sin and the iniquity of their father's sins. Chapter 9 is about the people's confession. It's broken down in a way of, of prayer, in a way of confessing prayer and movement. Now, in Chapter 9, you will notice that there's a, a confession in Chapter 9, and it's a long confession, but I'm going to uh, break it down into certain uh, parts of that confession. 
confession. Okay. The first part of the confession, uh, it's, uh, it's an observation of the historical moment covered by prayer when I talk about Abraham, the book of Exodus in the wilderness, the conquest of Judges, which is another book in the Bible, and how it focuses on Yahweh as their redeemer. It expresses homage to Yahweh as the creator, not only of all things in heaven, but here on earth too. The seas, the earth, all things in heaven and all things on earth, how it's given respect to and paying homage to Yahweh. And uh, not only as their giver of life, but also as the sustainer of life. For all for all of these things, he receives worship. He's deserving of worship by things seen and things unseen, things conscious and all and unconscious. The heavenly host of heaven, we're there to pay to pay homage to God because he is the giver and he is the redeemer and he is the sustainer of all life. The second, the the next part of the prayer is highlights the redemption as a covenant as seen in the idea of Abraham. God chose the land and he chose the people. All of this is anchored in his covenant. The covenant is built on fidelity on trust, on God's word. When God talked to Abraham and promised him these things, this was all in trust. Abraham left his family and went away. He had no other choice but to trust God. So everything God had promised Abraham from the time he chose him to the time he took him out to the wilderness was based on trust. It's also based on compassion. Compassion is not lacking in the judgment of Yahweh's deliverance. And this is what happened on Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai when the people were judged for when Moses went up on a mountain and for 30 days and the people decided to make themselves a golden calf and worship other gods because they felt that God um, was not there, but he's always there. And that God does not redeem people. He did not bring Israel out of bondage to abandon them, to leave them out in the in the wilderness unsure. And that's what happened when Moses went up to Mount Sinai. The people became unsure um, whether... God still was protecting them or looking after them, but God always sees. He never stops seeing. He's an all-seeing, all-knowing God. So he knew what the people were doing. So that part of the prayer talks about how he chose uh, Abraham and the um, the sin that the people created at on Mount Sinai and Reminding them that God did not redeem them just to give them uncertainty. He redeemed them to let them know and believe that that trust has to be there. The prayer also is reflecting about the uh, provision aspect of God's redemption, like in Exodus. Exodus is a good example about provisions. Um, He reminds them the extremity conditions that they suffered while going through the wilderness. He reminds them of how when they were thirsty, he gave them water from a rock. And when they were hungry, he gave them manna from heaven to uh, to eat. He took care of them. He sustained them. None of The Bible says that none of their clothes or shoes were worn within the 40 years that they traveled through the wilderness. Bible set. It tells us about that. Um, they wouldn't have through the wilderness had they not sinned on Mount Sinai when Moses went up to get God's laws. The people sinned, and as a uh, and as a reproach, 
they had to walk the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and he talks about how well he kept them and um, how he fed them and he gave them water. Even though the people complained the whole day, he still, he still stayed by them. It's one um, an area, if you go back to Exodus, where the people were complaining about uh, meat. They got sick of eating manna. They wanted meat. And he, all these pheasants fell from heaven. And the people ate meat until they were full, until they just made themselves sick. He said, you want meat? Here's meat. I'm going to give you meat. And that's what he did. He gave them that pheasant, and they ate until they until they were sick, and a whole lot, and a lot of them died because of that as well. So that's a reminder of the people of where they came from. Part of the prayer speaks about how Israel played its part in a deliberate resisting resistance, excuse me, to God's will. How they they how they became rebellious, and even in the light of all the grace that God has showed him. But it also tells about how God still did for the people of Israel, even though they were rebellion and even though they were resistant to to his will, how he still never left them and how he never turned away. See, God doesn't turn away from us. We turn away from him. When you say, God, you know, why wasn't you there? He's always been there. He will always be there. Even when you're, it's only, it only looks like there's one footstep in the sand. There's, there's two. There's always two because he's always there. We don't turn away. We don't, um, he doesn't turn away from us. We turn away from him. Okay. So uh, the verses of the Torah uh, describes the behavior of Israel once they settle in the promised land, how Israel again commits sin. And brings um, and Yahweh every time they did something wrong, Yahweh, God, they had to pay for it. The same way, um, but um, the same way there. So, uh, excuse me, my computer went down. <laughs> there it is. Okay, so now the t- the people are wondering. They're crying. They're weeping, and all of this. It's a joyous, a joyous day because God has delivered them from um, once again from captivity. They're back in their land. Their wall is rebuilt. They're renewing a covenant with God. They're, uh, everything is, is, is made right. Now, that was that is the prayer. You can read that prayer. It is pretty much covers all of chapter 9 in Nehemiah. But that what I just gave you was a breakdown, a quick breakdown of of the uh, of the prayer, because there was so much more, and it, and it goes into the whole thing. It reminds Israel of where they were at, where they came from, and where they took you from. You know where he where he took them from. You know how it is when you go to church. If you haven't been in a while. And you done been through some stuff, and you get in front of that preacher, especially when they call you up for prayer. You get you you start remembering of where God took you from, where you came from, and you break down and you start crying. And actually, it's it's a time for re- to be happy because you know you're confessing your sin, and God is right there with you, holding your hand and patting you on the back. For what you're doing. Now, when we go back to uh, modern day in society, it's just a reminder of uh, going back to what I said earlier, the new job uh, promotions, the new cars, all the good stuff that we got from God blessing us, all the things that we prayed for, and God is now blessing us uh, with it. Um, With a job, you couldn't have got a brand new car. Without a better job or more income coming in, you couldn't have gotten the house. Um, God leads us and directs us in the ways to get prayer answered. Uh, 
he he puts us the right people in front of us. He puts us in the right direction to uh, to do what we need to do. He if you're going for some type of community office, he puts the right people in place for you. He does things like that. Now, how many times have God brought us out of a situation that we didn't want to be in or we felt we couldn't handle? How many times have you been in a situation in today's world, which is a lot, <laughs> that you couldn't handle? And God only puts as much on you as you can take. We are actually, God sees us as stronger than we see ourselves. So how many times have that happened? Now, how many times have you gotten that new house or that new car and looked down on other people that live in neighborhoods where the houses are not as nice, who couldn't afford, we've got a new car, and all of a sudden we look down at people with a raggedy car or the people with a car that something is uh, wrong with. It may not be shiny and new. I mean, we get our new cars, and we're so up in the air about them, we don't even want to let pedestrians pass, interfering with us. It's in our way. You know, you're you're the person is walking, you're in a car, you're going to get to your destination faster than they can get to theirs. But yet, you don't even want to stop or yield for a child, for an adult, for a handicapped, for a senior citizen person to pass, to cross over the street. God has blessed you with these things, and you can't even be considerate enough to do this. God has blessed us with new houses, and we can't even, we, we put our noses up to people who live in less, uh, less better homes, less conditions. We forget where we came from, or the new job, the new job uh, that God gave you. He put you in a position where you are now making the money, and you can't even have compassion on someone else to give them a chance to try to get to better themselves. You have managers that won't hire certain people. Maybe scared that person may take their job and see if God have blessed you with something, it's not that easily taken away unless you do something for God to take it away from you. But once he blesses you with it, he gives it to you. It's yours. If you have a new job and you don't want to help out someone else, get a job. If you know that you're in a position to hire someone that's in need, you turn your back on them. Someone didn't turn their back on you when you needed to get there. Remember, you just didn't automatically get there. And if you did, that's not where you plan to stay. If you just came into the company, you plan to move higher. And if you don't plan to move higher, you have a plan to make things better from the position that you are currently in. You have a plan to do things differently because you see things are. You've heard the of people, of your uh, current co-workers, and you have a plan. You can make all this better. God has blessed you to be in that position, to make it better, to bless the other people, make it better for them, give people opportunities, and we don't do them. Thing as the people of Israel, they lived in huts. They were fed from from foot to mouth. I mean, from hand to hand, from hand to mouth, excuse me, from from God. And then when they got to a better place, they completely rebelled against him. They forgot who they came from, who they who they who they are. Well they knew who they are, but they forgot who got them from point A from point B. Remember, they were in bondage. They were in deep bondage, captivity in Egypt. The the Egyptians were not playing. They were whipping them, um, uh, taking their women, doing a lot to them. They were happy to get out of there. But as soon as they got out, they didn't know how to act. It's just like giving us some money. <laughs> and we don't know how to act. We get a little something and we tend to forget where we came from. We forget about how the job barely paid anything, where you you didn't have enough money to pay rent, pay the utilities, 
um, after all that was paid, you hardly had money to feed yourself and your children. We forget that, how we we ate. Um, with the holiday season coming on, uh, if you've been blessed, in a better position than you were last season, definitely uh, think about other people. Give. During the holiday season, a lot of people volunteer. I volunteered a lot for different uh, charitable organizations, nonprofits. And they all said the same thing. Around the holiday season, the volunteer rate is so high because everybody wants to do that, that uh, time. Everybody wants to give that time to volunteer to go feed other people. A lot of them, they want to feed other people so they can look and see what better situation they are. Not everyone's heart is pure. Even though they say it is, not everybody's heart is pure. But after the holiday season, do you go back and volunteer? I mean, you try to volunteer to do anything during the holiday season, you're going to have a hard time because they're so full with all these people, whole families coming to volunteer. Where are those families throughout the year? Where are those families after the New Year's? That's what the organizations need. They need people that's not just going to come with them and help during the holiday. Believe me, they appreciate all the help that they can get. But they need help all year round. So when you get blessed, you know, think about where you came from. I mean, if you are in a situation, if you already were were born into money, and things of that sort. Think about your health because you see one thing money money can't buy, it can't buy your health. It can't get you another body. It can't get you another uh, major function or organ that you need. It can some some people can buy it. It can't turn the time and make you age less. It can't do none of that stuff. If you have money, you may not think about how you barely ate because you probably already had those provisions for you. You were blessed in that way. But what about your health? What about those things that mean the most to you that uh, God blessed you with? So you have to uh, think about that. Okay, now we're going to go ahead to a song, and uh, I will be back to close this and I wanted to hear um, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to hear uh, speak to my heart but it's it's, it's kind of long so let's go to something else <laughs> The Beautiful Things We Miss I think that's a good song right now
taking it away from us because we did not deserve it. We were disobedient. We did not keep um, none of God's word. Um, in today's today's world, we look to Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is a mixture of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He is God. Uh, God distressed the people of Israel. Um, Jesus came our Redeemer. He gave us a reason to look to Him to go to the Father. He says, no one goes to the Father but Him. He is our interpreter. He is the one we go to. During the Old Testament, they didn't have that. They had the priests and the prophets. There was no, and even the priests and prophets fell short because they were sinful. And you, and so we needed someone that was without sin, and that's why how Jesus Christ came to be from the Israelites. He came from the genealogies from David. So now um, back to our Bible. Now, even though the people are back in their promised land, things are not all what it should be. Still uh, talking in chapter nine. Um. Things are not everything that they should be because they're still ruled over and taxed by others, from kings, even people within their own communities. They still need God. They still need prayer. And part of what they're uh, praying for in their confession is, God, please don't forsake us now. Please stay by us. You know, that's why all the weeping and the crying is because we're still not hundred percent. There's still some things going on that are uh, overbearing to the people. So they go ahead and they make this uh, covenant with God. And at the same time, they don't realize that uh, they're calling down judgment on themselves. Now we're, they're calling into judgment of themselves because they renew their, co- their covenant and made a promise to God. Now, when you make a promise to God and make a covenant, a promise is a covenant. You have to stick to that covenant. So the people are now making this promise to God, and they have to stick to the covenant, to the covenant, excuse me. You can't give your word to God and not keep it. Because he will beat you up about it. Believe me, you will get beat up in some way. Do not make a promise to God that you can't keep. Because woe to you. That's what I say. Woe to you. 
You know those promises that you make to God when you sit back in today's society. Oh, if you just give me this, I promise you that I'll go to church and I'll pay my tithes and I'll be good to other people. What about the promise you made to God when you went out and drunk so much that the room was spinning (laughs) and that you were vomiting? Everything was, you were calling Ralph and Earl. It was coming out of both ends. (laughs) And you were just sick, sick as a dog. Uh, Well, maybe not sick as a dog, but, you know, alcohol poisoning that you had. And you just say, God, please, if you just stop this room from spinning, I promise you I won't drink. I won't drink another drink again. Uh, Things that if you promise God that if you can help get rid of this debt, if you can help me get rid of this credit card debt, I promise you won't do it again. These are simple promises that we don't realize that we're making a covenant with God. Anything that you make that promise of and you ask God to help you, to come to your rest, to forsake you, to bless you out of that situation, and he does. You may not remember the promise, but he remembers the promise. So when something happens, we're like, well, I don't understand why this is happening to me. Well, one is because of a promise. Be careful of the things that you promise God because God is going to hold you to your promise. So this is what the uh, the, the uh, uh, covenant was about. In chapter 10, chapter 10 speaks about the uh covenantal promises that they made with God. Um, Some of the promises they made was not to intermarry intermarry with foreigners. Um, Anyone that is not of Jewish descent, they made a promise with God um, not to marry people that were not of Jewish descent. Now, in today's society, that's kind of looked on by ignorant people as a color, a race. Um, That has nothing to do with it. Uh, God um, doesn't look negatively on those who are not a Jewish. Um, He would rather them marry their own kind to ensure that Israel maintains a household that honors God. It wasn't so much that they were different. It was so much that they all worshipped God. They did not worship the God of Israel. God wants to preserve himself, keep his holiness within his people. And the only way he could ensure himself of that was if the Israelites married other Israelites. So it wasn't a racist thing. It had nothing to do with racism. Racism is a form of hate, and God does not promote hate. It had to do with the preservation of him. It was all about him. <laughs> and uh, the uh, foreigners, they had gods like Baal and and other different types of foreign uh, gods. Marrying into the own religion ensured God. People would continue to worship him. Um, Mary, uh if you're a Christian and you marry a Buddhist, you, you're separating God's honor there. God is a, he's a selfish God. He wants the worship all to him. And if you join as one in a marriage, it does not. If that person is, is Christian too, and you're a Christian, that's a good thing. It doesn't really matter what color they are. It's if you believe in the same thing. You have to believe in the same God. I mean, when we're younger, especially if you're younger and you're really not in the church, you don't think about those things. You know, you can't be, you can't be mismatched. Can't be mismatched with the wrong thing. And the mis the mismatch part is, what God do you believe in? What religion is the person you plan to marry? If neither one of you have a religion, 
but you grew up Baptist, then there's a very good chance that your whole household can be Baptist the day that you guys decide to go back to God. But if you marry in people that worship two different gods, that's another thing, and God can't get the victory out of that. So that was that was there. The other thing they um they promised is uh that they wouldn't trade or do business on the Sabbath day. One of God's commandments was remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So there was not to be any work done on the Sabbath day. They had people that were trading in a temple and and uh, uh, tyrant fishermen that was coming in, selling their fish, selling stuff like that. So the Israelites promised they wouldn't do all this. And then there was another thing they had promised God that they would keep the covenant is that every seven years, if they owed, if someone owed them money, um, they were supposed to cancel the debt. Um, they were supposed to forget about the debt. If someone owed the money, forget about the debt. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if our government and our student loans <laughs> would cancel our debt after seven years? I tell you, I feel like I'm in paying student loans for seven years. That would be so nice to have a loan forgiveness. I think it's just the program. I think it's just a rumor because I don't have it. <laughs> I need some loan forgiveness too. Our government, forget about it. It's not going to do it. They're, they're, they would not do it. Um, they also said, made a covenant that they would keep their responsibilities for paying their tithes. They would to pay their tithes to the temple. That way, the Levites and the the pre the preachers and the singers, everyone can make money because if you if they make money to take care of those people then they could dedicate their time to taking care of God's church to take care of the temple because they didn't have to worry about going out and getting other jobs that would take them away from what they're obligated to do is to preach and be there for the people when the people needed them um so they promised they would pay their tithes. They promised they would maintain the uh, the church. Um, they promised that they would uh, give the uh, first fruits to the church, their firstborn sons to the church, as far as raising them and keeping them in church. Uh, their first of the first of their animals and their crops. All of this stuff they. They did. They gave their promise to the the church. It reminds them to remember the promises that you made to God. So that was what Chapter Ten was all about. Um, there was supposed to be provisions that were carried out to certain people for the staff, for the offering, and all of those good things. All of this is what the Israelites promised God that they would do. Uh, they were supposed to be an exclusion for foreigners, like the uh, Ammonites, um, for the whole body to observe and not be a threat to humankind. Um, they needed to do all this for the protection of God. Now, some other things happen in uh, chapter 10. Um, regarding the Tobiah, who was with Sanballat, and when they bribed Shimea to try to get Nehemiah to go into the, uh, the temple and meet them there, and they knew that that Nehemiah was a layman. He was not a man of God. So going into the temple was a transgression, and they tried to do that to get him in the beginning. Well, in in chapter, I think it's chapter 10, uh, Tobiah and, and whose friends were uh, Elijah Beth. Elijah, I think I pronounced his name right. You know me, I'm good at messing up names. Well, he gets, he's a friend of the priest Elijah. And uh, Elijah gets Elijah to give him a room in the temple 
that's supposed to be stored with wheat and stuff like that, which was a transgression. This happened after Nehemiah left. We're closing it up now. Nehemiah left. He had to go back to his king for a couple of days, of weeks. When he came back, everything, nothing was what it was supposed to be. None of the promises, the covenant, nothing was kept by the people of Israel. They, again, forgot the God who saved them. And once again, they went into doing their old ways. The people, the people in the church was out working their land. Uh, the priests and the levites had to go work their land because they were hungry. They had to go make livings. They The people weren't paying their tithes. They were marrying pagan women. They just went crazy again. So it's like in today's society, you don't have to be. I mean, not saying you don't have to be. We can try to be as good as we want. But the 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 underlying thing is sin. It's there. And every time you think God is not looking, and he always is, we default back to our original sin. After we make these promises, after he delivers us, after he takes us through all of this, we turn around and we go back to that sin again. And then we wonder, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? Because you're not doing right. You're not doing right. You ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, this is just breaking it down in a way that that I think is understandable. I know with me, I have to sit back and look at what am I doing wrong? I evaluate myself so many times. So did the people of Israel. They made promises, and they did not keep those promises. But yet then he came and delivered them each and every time, and he will deliver us each and every time. But we have to ask for that forgiveness. We have to confess our sins. That's what Israel did. They confessed all of these sins, and then they went into another covenant with God. You don't make promises to God that you cannot keep. You don't do that. Be careful of the things that you ask for because you just might get them. But remember, you ask for them and you have an obligation behind what God has blessed you with. And you have to keep to that obligation. So remember that and going further in your lives in today's society, remember the book of Nehemiah. Go back and read the parts that I you know, did a speed read over, read them, read about how the, he, the, God saved the people again. He rebuilt their city, their people. He took them out of captivity. They wept, they cried when they heard about and when, when they were reminded where they came from and where they are now. Remember that about your life where you came from and where you are now and give God his glory. Give God his praise. He will continue to bless you. And that's all I have to say for the book of Nehemiah. I thank you so much for joining me. I hope you learned something. I know I did. I did. I definitely did. Until next time, may God bless you and you have a blessed week. And remember to keep praying. And not to make promises with God that you can't keep. And remember that. And I will see you on the networks. And here is uh, Torn Wells, When We Pray. I like that song. Bye-bye, Diamond. People hurting, people broken, beating down and feeling hopeless. Wonder if it's gonna always be this way. We will speak up for the captive, show some love and heal a past that binds the wounds we think will never go away.